<laughs> That's true. Okay, good morning. I want to thank our sponsors for this morning's Amunashir, Stephanie and Sam Weinstein for the Rafu Shlema of Tzvi Yosef Ben Reza Hinda, and anonymously for Rafu Shlema for a loved one. They should both have a complete and speedy Rafua Shlema. Okay, so I want to build on what we were doing last week. Last week we saw a piece by the Piazetsna Rebbe, Rukhlanimus Kalman Shapira Piazetsna, in his Tzav Viziris, his spiritual diary. And if you remember last week, we spoke about his Podidus, the notion of what real conversation, casual conversation with Hashem. He's our best friend. And the Piazetsner modeled it for us. Piazetsner gave us a script where he allowed us to fill in the blank what it's like to directly talk to Hashem. It's not exactly the script that we might naturally employ. It's more poetry than it is what would flow from our lips um, and, and maybe is uh, more lofty, more spiritual than what we might intuitively do. Um, but the premise, the principle of it is the same, which is the idea that real davening is not what we say from a sitter, as important as that is. Real davening is not what we say from the sitter, as important as that is. The most authentic, it is real davening, it's not fair to say, but the most authentic form of tefillah is what comes naturally, is to talk to, the, to Hashem, to the Ribbon Shalolam, um, that He's right there. So I want to build on that by doing a piece in uh, another sefer called Nefesh Shimshon. It's written by uh, Rav David Shimshon Pinkus. I'm sorry, Rav Shimshon David Pinkus. Rav Pinkus was American-born. He moved to Israel. He was a Rav in Ofakim, a great Talmud Chacham, and a brilliant orator, a great lecturer. Unfortunately, tragically, was killed in a car accident um, at a young age, a relatively young age. Um, and he published two Sfarim in his life, two Sfarim I know of, Sha'arim B'Tfila, which I'm an enormous fan of, amazing sefer about davening, and Shabbos Malkasa, a sefer about Shabbos. And posthumously, many others they took from his, at the time they were called tapes, they took his tapes and they uh, produced them as a svarim. And one of them is this thick sefer called Sharei HaEmuna, which are lectures that he gave about, about Emuna. So this is the middle of a chapter called Atahare Saladas, Mitzias Abora Haidiyah Shalafnei HaEmuna, that you have been shown to know, which is a theme we've talked about the last couple of weeks. And in the middle of that chapter, he, he has a piece, which I think is a perfect continuation of what we began last week, the theme that was set down by the Piazetzner. So for the sake of a little continuity here. So it says the says Rav Pinkus the following. Everyone see the side that we're on? On the right-hand column it says, Lachios es metzias habariz baruch. Let's put it this way. On one side... The right-hand column doesn't go all the way to the bottom. We're on the other side. On the other side, on the right-hand column. Okay? And the, and the theme, the title of this piece, or this section of this essay, is to live with the existence of Hashem. To live with the presence of Hashem. So he quotes the Ramchar of Moshe Chaim Ritzata, the Mesil HaShem, who says that when we daven, when we daven, it is on us to know, it is on us to know that Hashem is with us. We're not alone in the room. We're not talking to a wall but that Hashem is literally there. And He's listening to us like two people talking on the phone. Or today you'd have to say, like two people texting with one another. <laughs> that when you send that text, when you leave that, when you make that phone call, even though there is no response on the other end, we have to know there's someone listening. We have to know there's someone listening. The knowledge that Hashem created us that He hears us, and that He loves us. It needs to be obvious, and it needs to be simple. We overcomplicate it. We try to make it sophisticated. 
particularly if you're from the YU world and you're a student of Rabbi Salavichik or a student of students of Rabbi Salavichik, who to his great credit, Rabbi Salavichik was a brilliant brisker lambda and his Torah is absolutely incredible. And um, he was a great philosopher, but he also made things very complicated by design. That's how briskers thought in a complicated way. So he used fancy words like ontological and axiological and all these fancy philosophical terms to talk about Hashem's existence and deepest notions of tefillah and they're beautiful and we should study them and they're wonderful. But not at the expense of the Pashat ideas. We talked about last week, emuna pshuta. There's the emuna of, I can quote 17 arguments and pieces of evidence for Hashem and there's Tevye for Fiddler on the Roof who while he's milking the cow is talking to Hashem. He's probably illiterate. He can't read a chumash, a pasuk, a tehillim. He certainly can't tell you the arguments of the Rishonim, of Rav Sadyagon, of others as evidence of Hashem's existence. But you know what? With all the people who can quote all the arguments, there's Tevya talking to Hashem while he's milking the cows, like he's not alone in the barn. That there's someone else with him who hears him, who's listening to him, who's a source of support for him, who's with him at that moment. So we shouldn't, says Rapinkas, Tzrichalios Pshuta. Sometimes you have to set the sophistication on the side and go back to the basics. Simple. Bihira umuchishus be'ineinu, clear and 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 palpable. like the intuitive knowledge that my mother and father love me. just like I love my children. Sometimes you only first begin to appreciate that when you become a parent. Really, it takes being a parent to know that a parent loves a child more than a child could ever love a parent. It takes being a parent to know that, which means the same is true that Hashem has an intuitive as our Father. He has a love for us. He has a love for us. Zu'ishius ma'od mugderes. Krova vi'ahuva. This is a very personal relationship. It's not that God is some distant, inaccessible, highfalutin, fancy, philosophical God. He's, he's our Abba, our Tati, our Daddy. He's our loved one. We are His child. So when you're young... You think that your father or your mother are like all-powerful, all-knowing, capable of everything. Like you look up to them, you admire them. You think they can do anything in the world. You think they know everything in the world. And then you get a little bit older, then you go through your teenage or your adolescent years, and then you think they know nothing. They're the worst (laughs) people in the world. They're the lowest people in the world. And then you hopefully survive, both sides survive that. And then you come back to thinking, you know what? I've now come as, I have an adult relationship with my adult parent that I know they're not perfect. I can tell you all their failures and foibles and shortcomings, but boy, do I still admire them and I see the goodness in them and I've learned so much from them and I have such awe and reverence of them, hopefully, in a positive relationship. So those are the stages of the relationship with Hashem, except multifold. Because whatever you admire and you think and you learn from your parents, they're human, they're finite, and they have failures. But the Rebbe Shalom is bli gul, bli sof. He's not just our father, but he's our father who has no limits, who has no boundaries who has no beginning, no middle, no end, who can do anything. So even when you're an adult, it's the relationship with Hashem, with a father, the way we had when we were three years old. When we were three years old, our mother, our father could do it. They could fix anything. They could do anything. They could go anywhere. They could fly. They could do anything. And then we mature. But with Hashem, we never have to mature from that thought because Hashem still remains that father, that parent, who can do absolutely anything in the world. Yehudim tamid shutfim we are always partners with Hashem. Kumar Shabbos says that when you daven on Friday night and you say Vayichulu Hashemayim Baha'aretz, the end of the story of creation, it's as if you become a partner with Hashem in the creation of the world. 
Hashem has invited us to be His partner in the world. Our relationship with Him is in the category of our Father, our King. The notion or the relating to Hashem as a King, it's very hard for us to describe. It's very hard for us to understand because we don't live in a monarchy. We don't really live under the rule of a king. Although, now that he can pardon himself, maybe we do. But we don't really live under, under a monarchy. <laughs> What's a king? We don't know. And even our friends on the other side of the pond, even the Marriotts and those who live with them in London and England, they don't know what monarchy is because it's a total symbolic position. It's a celebrity position today. It's a meaningless position today. Um, meaningful to them, but meaningless to most of the world. It's a meaningless thing. But to live under a real monarchy who could, who could demand your life, who could cut off your head, who could take your money, who could, on a whim, on a whim, with absolutely no, nothing you can do about it. So that sense of a monarchy, we have no idea. We, we, we live in a liberal democracy. There's a rule of law. There's a constitution. We don't relate to that notion. The Malkeinu part, we can't really identify with. But the Avinu, the Abba, that we have a father, that we can. Abba who's Eshenimtza, Kshani lo nimtza. Kshani Yashen hu er. My father is the one who's found even when I'm not found. He's the one who's awake even when I'm sleeping. Ukshani cholem azu do egli. And when I'm dreaming, when I'm fast asleep, he's worried about me. That's a parent. A parent never stops worrying, caring, investing, protecting, doing, loving. Yesh lanu chaver shu balchesed ba'utzma atzuma. We have a friend, a best friend, who's the biggest Baal Chesed. Because we all have literal human friends who are naturally inclined. They have a Chesed intuition. They're the first ones who are running to cook that meal, offer that ride, visit in that place, write that birthday card. Go to the, they go above and beyond. They're just naturally, intuitively, their inclination is to do Chesed. Right? We know people like that. We've been recipients of their, of their chesed, which if we would reject, would hurt them more than it would hurt us. That's how intuitive they are. Well, guess what? We have the greatest friend, who's the greatest Baal Chesed in the world, and he's also our father. He's our Abba. Um, he is the greatest interest, the greatest love, the greatest affection. Whatever are the greatest virtues of a parent... Whatever you would describe and you'd write up as the ideal parent on the planet, calls, checks in, but doesn't stifle and, and suffocate, cares and does, but gives room, loves and supports, and whatever you would describe, whatever would be the qualities that you would use to describe the ultimate parent in the world, that's Hashem, manifold. It's like a connection, a friendship, a bond that has all of these values and virtues. So if you don't begin your Amida, your Shmon Esra, your davening, if it's not started on the premise and the foundation that I'm about to have a conversation with my best friend who's a Baal Chesed, who'd do anything in the world. I'm going to have coffee with my Abba, with my daddy, with my dad. I'm going to connect with the one who loves me. Shemi Kamenetsky's father passed away very suddenly, very, very tragically, Rabbi David Kamenetsky, an amazingly special person who we had the privilege of being very close with. Um, so at his funeral, which we watched, unfortunately couldn't get there in time, but his, his children spoke, his three sons, 
But then his daughter spoke Lisa, who it was unusual for her. She is not uh, from a hashkafa where it's normal, say, for a woman to get up in the shul and, and give a hesped. But she, and she mentioned that at the beginning, but she decided to do it anyway because she said she had to bring her perspective. She was the only daughter. She was her daddy's little girl. And she described very personally, and it added so much, added so much to the covet, to the honor for Rabbi Kamenetsky and insight into him from the perspective of a daughter. And she described very vividly, sitting on his lap and daddy's little girl and the pride and their special moments and their connections. Very, very beautiful. So we are all daddy's little girl. We are all daddy's favorite son. We are all daddy's, in, in the sense, the Rebun Shalom of our Abba, of our, of our daddy. We're all that. We all have that special bond, that affection, that love, that commitment, that loyalty. And if we don't begin our Amidah with that, if our Amidah is all about, let me just review the seven pieces of evidence and the philosophy and that ontologically Hashem is that and axiologically He's that and, and then we get up for Shemun Asrei, it's kind of dry. It's like, it's like you're in philosophy class, you're sitting in university. But if you get up and you say, I'm, I'm going out for lunch with my dad. What do I want to talk about? And what do I want to be nostalgic for? And what do we want to remember? And what do we want to look forward to? And, and how am I having lunch with my dad? We don't begin to understand Hashem. We just know that He's present. And we can use anthropomorphism to connect with how He connects with us. I have a rich uncle. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. So money means nothing to him. So he's able to cover things. He takes us all away for Pesach and on vacation and flies us to this and buys us that. Oh, who's that rich uncle? His name is Ribbono Shalom. He's Hashem Yisbarach. Right? So... Everybody... So I, so, so we, it's okay, he's going to sit quietly with me, he's going to give the share with me, right? No? Okay. So if one had a very wealthy relative, a billionaire, for money was no object, couldn't spend all the money if he wanted to, money was nothing, and he was generous, then one would feel that they, the recipient of that generosity, they'd feel a bond, a connection towards them. So we all have that rich uncle who provides for us in that way. His name is Hashem Yisbarach. Adam Shem Espalash Esrei. When we're talking to Hashem, let's not pretend, let's not make believe we know who we're talking to. We don't begin to understand, connect with, relate to, comprehend the infinite, the perfect, the omnipotent, the omniscient. He's beyond anything. So when you talk about Hashem philosophically, you can't scratch the surface of who He is. But the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Father, who has no boundaries, no limitations, he's capable of everything. Whom is Yachese Leinu? He is giving us attention. Shomea Osanu, he's listening. Oiv Osanu, he loves us. He connects with us in a wondrous, magnificent way through kindness, through chesed. So what Rapinkas is basically saying is, yes, there's two paths to connect to Hashem. There's the Amun there's the simple kind of leap of faith there's the simple, unsophisticated way of just accepting the presence, feeling the presence, feeling the loving hand, talking to Hashem with simplicity, with the very simple notion that there's Hashem here. There's nothing more to talk about. And then there's the sophisticated one. But if you go down the route of the sophisticated one, because we can't begin to scratch the surface, you can't really get very far. Whereas if you relate to Hashem very simply, almost naively, then you can have the deepest connection. 
because we know what it is to have an Abba. If you're alive, you have a father, you have a mother. People have tragically lost parents at a young age, but maybe there's another person in their life who's a father or a mother figure. We know what it means to have a mother or father figure. Maybe if our own biological parents didn't live up to what parenting was and they failed us in that way, but there's someone else who was that parent figure for us. An aunt, an uncle, a neighbor, a loved one, a teacher, someone else, someone else. So we know what it is. We know what it is that someone would take the bullet for us, wakes up in the middle of the night for us, would go to the end of the earth, would go bankrupt for us, would go into debt for us. We know what it is that they love us more than we love ourselves. If we're parents, we begin to know what that means. Because we would do that for our children, and we, only when we have children do we begin to understand what our parents felt and would do for us. So the sophisticated philosophical Hashem, very hard to scratch the surface. But the Hashem who's our Abba, we can all know. I don't know if anyone's following this uh, debate going on right now between Rav Moshe Weinberger and a Rebbe at Neri Yisrael in Baltimore. So the Mishpacha magazine a couple weeks ago had a story about uh, the Baal Shem Tov Revisited, I think they called it, which is about Neo-Hasidus. And Neo-Hasidus is that um, there's been a rebirth of, of Hasidus, but not within you know, the world where you have to have a Bekesha and a Strymel, but even within, or particularly within the modern Orthodox world. Um, Rav Moshe Weinberger went to go be the Mashpia, the Mashkiach at Yeshiva University, which was controversial at the time, because why you saw itself as the continuation of the Yeshiva of Velazhin, of Brisk. The idea that they're bringing in a Hasidish Yid, a Hasidish Rebbe, who's going to teach Hasidus in the middle of Velazhin, was like unheard of. It was, it was like, it was like I don't know, the Bismedrish of the Gra inviting the Baal Shem Tov in to give, to give Shir. It was just unheard of. But meanwhile, he transformed the Yeshiva and had an enormous impact. And so... Ramosha Weinberger, his Talmidim, other such efforts and leaders across the world who are bringing that language of Amuna and Dvekus, bringing that language of, of, of Mesiris Nefesh, bringing that language of the Pneumius HaTorah, the depth of Torah. So it's sprouting and spreading in our own community. Rabbi Merzoff was a wonderful Rebbe at uh, Hillel Day School, Katz Hillel Day School, and a member of our, of our shul has, has given birth to it within our own shul. He has a Thursday night group called Eish Tamid, they get together, they play music, they learn chasidus, they're moved, they've had music of halal several times. You see that there's a thirst and a hunger for this. So the story was praising those who are doing it. And uh, this Rebbe Neri Yisrael wrote a letter, kind of critical of the article, and basically said, what happened to the old yeshiva system? That the way you connect with Hashem is Gemara Rashi Tosos. What's with this sugar-coated, fake spirituality, kumbaya, musical <laughs> gatherings? And it's just, it's based on and it's following the, the counterfeit spirituality, whatever, of the day. You, that was like, you know, declaring war, that letter. So Rav Weinberger, who's not really afraid of anyone or anything, wrote a scathing article back, respectful but pretty strong, and gave a shear that you can listen to online, and um, because it touched his soul, he's dedicated his life to developing this language and reaching people who feel lost. And here's somebody who's questioning it. And I think Rav Weinberger really, I think an honest, objective reader would see that Rav Weinberger, um, I think, could claim victory, at least in round one of this battle. And in his talk. One line that bothered him. The man wrote, the rabbi wrote that um, when you do certain things that distance you from Hashem, that, that ruins your relationship with Hashem when you engage in certain things, you go to right. certain, you know, right. and never Weinberg felt that so wrong, that even when you... Are well, because the basis Hashem's... of this debate was, Rabbi Judah Michel, in the original article, was quoted as sharing the teaching that when we all read the Mishnah, Dam alamala mincha, ayin roa, ozin shamas, kol ma'asecha b'sefer nechtav, and the Mishnah says, know what is above you, that there's an eye watching and an ear listening, and everything you're doing is being recorded. The Bashem has a beautiful interpretation of that. 
by the way, for another time. But the, um, so the Mishnah we usually read as something which is really motivating us through a scare tactic. Like, don't think you're ever alone. Somebody's watching. Our generation can understand this more than any other. Um, a couple weeks ago, there was an incident where it turned out that the Alexa device in someone's home was recording a conversation between a husband and wife and sent it, because it was connected to the person's phone, sent the conversation to someone in their contacts. To the point that, um, who puts out Alexa? Amazon? So they themselves admitted it was a fault in the system and they're going to correct it and they apologized for it. So like if you have an Alexa in your home, just know it could be eavesdropping on everything that's being said that's going on. So Ayin Ra, Ozen Shamas, there's cameras everywhere and there's listening devices everywhere. Everything is being recorded. So the Mishnah is really understood to be, okay, I'll tell you the Basham Tov's shot. So the Basham Tov, because you insisted. So the Basham Tov says that you should read it. Da malamala mimcha. No, there's a Hashem above you. So not that Hashem is listening and watching and hearing. Ayin Roa means, know that if there's a Hashem above you who orchestrates everything in life, Ayin Roa, whatever you saw, you were meant to see. You happen to be somewhere, you saw something, you saw someone going through this, you were meant to see it. And Ozen Shomas, whatever you hear, you were meant to hear. It's not coincidence, it's not chance, it's not random, it's by design. And therefore, Chom Ma'asecha, how you react to what you saw and what you heard, that weren't accidental but were meant to be, the Sefer and Echtavim, they are recorded. So don't say, I saw that person suffering, I chose to look the other way, I overheard that, but I didn't, I didn't need to hear, I didn't mean to hear, I didn't want to hear. No, whatever you saw, whatever you heard, you were meant to see, you were meant to hear. And now how you respond and how you react, that's everything about who you are, that's what's recorded. That's how the Bashem interpreted that, that Mishnah. So Rabbi Judah Mishal quoted a pshat, I don't remember from whom, that, know that Hashem is above you, his eyes watching, his ears listening. It's not about the bad things you do. The Hasidic interpretation is, know there's Hashem above you, and Ayin Ra, he sees. He sees the good things you're doing. He sees that you wanted to stay in bed, but you got out of bed to make it dominion. And he hears. He hears that you called someone to put in a good word, to lift their spirits, even when you didn't have to. He said, you know, we don't have to live this, this fearful form of a religion, where Hashem is this angry um, taskmaster. He's our employer, and he's looking to catch us late, or catch our mistakes, or hold us accountable, the God of fire and brimstone and punishment. But the whole neo-Hasidus is that it's the opposite. It's Hashem who's our Father, and He loves us, and He's looking to catch us doing good things. Not to catch us doing bad things. We recently spent time with a parenting expert whose entire philosophy, which is based on research, is that you can condition children, and we help children realize the best version of themselves, not through negative not through punishment, not by catching them doing the wrong things, but by catching them doing the right things. Only. You never give negative feedback. You just try to... And, and the, the, the natural positive feeling of good feedback conditions the person to stop the negative. They only want to do because they get such good feedback whenever they do the good. So that's, that's Hasidus, Neil Hasidus, is stop depicting Hashem. Of course, we believe in, Hasidus too believes in, in Schar Onesh. It doesn't deny that there's accountability to Hashem. You know, Hasidim also have Yom Kippur, also have Neilah. Um, but the emphasis is on Hashem who loves us. He's our Tati, He's our Father, and He's trying to catch us doing good things. So that's what this Nevi Yisrael Rebbe wrote back and said, that that's a distortion of the Mishnah, and that's, that's basically like feel good, that's what you wish it were. But it's not true. Hashem catches you doing bad things, and don't do bad things, and you're going to be accountable for the bad things. So that's what set Rav Weinberger off. And he gave this uh, shear online, and it's worth listening to. And why am I telling you this whole thing? Because he tells a story in that shear. He tells a story about one of the best Bachram in the yeshiva, who was a great, who, who went to Ner Yisrael, didn't go to Ner Yisrael, but went that derech, Gemara Rashitosos, Gemara Rashitosos, Gemara Rashitosos, and went off the derech. And it, it, the parents were distraught, absolutely distraught. 
But what made the father even more distraught was that he saw on his son's phone that the son was watching a phone or a laptop, whatever it was, the son had, son had been watching, as Rabbi Weinberger said, Galachim. He'd been watching like evangelical pastors. He found meaning. He was watching, you know, Joel Osteen or Rick Warren or whomever. Well, by the way, I understand why people watch them. They're very inspirational and motivational. So he's watching and watching and watching. And that for this father, this was like the Makkah Patash, which was the end. That he's no longer learning the Maharashi Tesis, that he's not the excelling as the Yeshiva Bakr, that he's off the derech is bad enough, but that the son is now experimenting with or finding meaning in Christianity, he could. So he confronts the son, says, you know, what are you listening to? Why are you listening to this? And listen to what the son tells him. He says, Abba, Dad, whatever he called him, he said, I went through all my years of education and my years of Yeshiva. And I learned the Ketos and the Nesivas and I learned a, a Briskarav and a Rav Chaim and I saw the Gemara and I heard the Tosos. But you know what I never heard that I hear from these preachers every time they speak? That God loves me. I never heard in all my years in Yeshiva that God loves me. And you know what? I need to know and I need to hear and I need to feel that God loves me. Because I don't love myself and I'm going through things in life and I get messages from the world. The universe sometimes feels like it doesn't love me. I need to know that Hashem loves me. And they say it and I didn't hear it in these other places. So Rav Weinberger goes off. <laughs> you know? But the Gemara Rosh Tosos, we need them. They're the, they're the foundation of a, of a Jew. But we also need to know that Hashem loves us and that's what, that's what Rav Pincus is describing here. And then he, you know, Rav Weinberger goes off quoting Gemara Rashi Tosos that prove the Gemara Reb Meir, we're Hashem's children, He loves us, even when we're doing the wrong thing, and the Rashba and the Tshuva says, we pass him like Reb Meir about this, even though we don't normally, and he, Reb Weinberger is very smart, he uses Gemara Rashi Tosos, classic Rishonim Lachronim, to prove his point, and that it's not Hasidus, that this is the language of the Torah, of the Torah itself, it's worth listening to, and, and Reb Weinberger deserves a great Yeshikoach for, uh, for this. So, um, so this is what Rav Pinkus is saying here. What Rav Pinkus is saying is, you get up for Shemona Esra, you're not standing, yes, are we standing in front of the Melech Ma'achayam Lachem? Let's not sugarcoat it. It's not our father that, you know, if you disobey your father and you disrespect your father and you neglect your father and you step all over your father and you chutzpah to your father and you steal from your father, you know, there's a point that when you get there, there's a line. He's not going to welcome you with open arms and love and affection. So, yes, he's a king in that sense. Even our father is a king that if you disobey and you neglect and you steal from Hashem, stealing from Hashem is eating his food without making a bracha and living the gifts and the talents without saying thank you or directing them towards the mission and the purpose for which he gave them. So when you come back to your father and you've stolen, you've neglected him, you've cursed him, you've, you've disobeyed him, and disrespected him, there's a point that he's also going to say, you know, die, it's enough, it's enough. But the image that we take those three steps forward and we take that deep breath, the Rabbi Eli Melech breath break, Rimelach Goldberg, breath break. And you begin your Amida, your Shemona Esrei, the image in our mind's eye is not of, oh boy, the boss called me into his office. I'm in the principal's office. I've done something wrong. It's the king. What's he going to do now? He's going to execute me. He's going to take my money. He's going to take my farm. He's going to take my... The image is of my father. My father called me and said, do you want to have lunch? Tell me, my son, what do you need? My daughter, tell me, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What do you need? What can I do? And that says Rapinkis, that it's the father. The sophisticated philosophical evidence, Aristotle, St. Thomas Aquinas, that God, you stand up for the Amida, you don't begin to understand that God. You can't begin to comprehend that God. But the Ribbonu Shalom, that he's our father, he's our Tati, that God, that God I know. That God I know. And he's always with me. He's Nimtza. He's found all the time. I've told the story a thousand times in the Amunashir. I'm telling it again for me, so bear with me. Is that Bris I was at, and I was the last one at the table. 
I've told it a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> I told it a thousand times. The Chavit thinks I need some new material. So, every bris, you're at a table, and one by one people have to go to work or go on with their lives, and then the table scales down, and then there's the last two last people, and now someone feels bad leaving the other person. So I was sitting with Rabbi Finman. I said, I've got to go to work, and I'm so sorry. I feel really terrible to leave you alone. Please forgive me. And he looked at me, and here's the thing. Many would say this, but he meant it. He's a Talmud of Shlomo. He meant it. He said, he said, Rabbi Goldberg, don't be sorry. Holy brother, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I have a few minutes with the Rebona Shalom. I'm not alone. Like he, he meant that in his kishu. like, I'm, I'm never alone. I'm driving a car by myself. I'm sitting on the airplane by myself. I'm at my desk at work by myself. Cooking in the kitchen by myself. I'm, I'm just never, he's nimtza, he's with me. He's with me. He's looking over my shoulder at the potato kugel. He's with me while we're both frustrated that there's lightning so the ramp is closed and we landed and it's really late at night but we still can't get off the plane. He's, every week I have a plane story for you these days. He's, uh, he's, but I'm not alone. So you know, you could tolerate anything much more when you're not alone, when you're with someone else. It's much more tolerable. Like come with me to that place. Right, come with me. You're not alone. You're not experiencing it alone. There's somebody else who, yeah, you could be sovel with savlanut. You can endure and you can bear more with patience when you're not doing it alone. So every time you feel like you're alone, take that deep breath and realize, I'm not alone. I'm never alone. He's Nimtza. He's with me. He's with me. Where are we up to? Oh, So HaKadosh Baruch for us is our dear friend. He's our good friend. The whole Torah is filled with this notion. The whole Torah is filled with this principle. Whoever your best friend is on the planet your go-to friend that you can confide in, that you can talk to without judgment, that you can ask help, that will pitch in, that will be there, that will do that. Whoever your best friend, whatever your best definition of friend is, that friend doesn't compare to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He is Yedid. In fact, we say this, we sing on Friday nights in shul, some sing in a child shudas, Yedid Nefesh. Yedid Nefesh is a poem that was only written a few centuries ago. It's a beautiful, beautiful poem. Who wrote Yedid Nefesh? Wasn't it written by uh, not Rishlama Akabetz? No, no. You did Nefesh was written by um, new Ramo, I think Ramosha Cordovero, the author of Talmud. I don't remember who wrote it, but it's pretty. It's a Kabbalist a few centuries ago. You did you did Nefesh. What is you did Nefesh? How does it begin? You did Nefesh. Yeah. You did Nefesh Avarachaman. Okay. You did Nefesh Avarachaman. So what do the words mean? You did Nefesh Avarachaman. You did. What's it? You did. You did as a friend. You did as a, even more intimate than a friend. It's the closest friend that you could have. It's a confidant. You did nefesh, av harachaman. Before it's av harachaman, before you describe Hashem as my compassionate father, it's you did nefesh. We describe Hashem as my you did nefesh, my best friend. Oh, beautiful. Rebbe Tzintagar, everyone going to her shirim? You gotta go to her shirim. It's an honor she comes to us. You did is Yad, Yad, two hands, like people holding hands, connected. Yad, be Yad. It's two people holding hands, integrated, connection, hands, holding hands, partners, like, the, like Rav Pinkus said. So you did Nefesh. We describe Hashem on Friday night. We go into Shabbos saying, oh, I get to spend the Shabbos with my Yadid Nefesh. I neglected my friend all week long. All week long, I didn't have time for my friend. I had work and I had the kids and I had responsibilities and I had obligations and I neglected my friend the whole week. So how do I go into Shabbos? You did nefesh, Avarachaman. 
my compassionate father who's also my best friend. When your kid's small, you're not supposed to be their best friend. That's right. As parents, we say to them all the time, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. I'm not supposed to be your friend. I don't care if you love, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. But you know what? When we get older, is there anything more beautiful than our parent also being one of our closest friends that we confide, that we talk to, that we love, that we have a good time with? Yedid Nefesh. So Av HaRachaman, he's our loving father, but he's our Yedid Nefesh. That's how we describe him. He's Yedid Torah. Im Abba Shali Nasanli Bayas, Hashem Nasanli Isha. Bayas Vahon Nachalas Avos. My father gave me a house. Hashem gave us a house, gave us our lives. May Hashem Isha Maskalas, who Nasanli as Abba. My father gave me a house, but who gave me my father? <laughs> Hashem gave us Esachayim, our life, Brios, our health, Matanas Atsumos, unbelievable gifts. Habrios Matana. Health? Boy, is that a gift. Health is a gift. Health is a gift. What was the line your father likes to quote? I don't remember who said it. Health is a crown that can only be seen by those who don't have it. Health is a crown that we wear that can only be seen by those who don't have it. We don't even see it. We don't even feel it. Ask the people. You could see your eyes are working, your ears are working, your digestive system is working, mm-hmm. your ability to eliminate is working, you're nourished, mm-hmm. your body the way it's working, your fertility system is working. Boy, you're a thousand, a thousand steps ahead. So the fact that he takes an interest in us, like, what, what do you mean? So if the governor would call you and say, oh, I heard that you need... Oh, I heard Rabbi, the synagogue needs uh, whatever. Can I help you with it? I want to get that done for you, the new offense. He'd say, Governor, you're, call, you're calling me? You want to help with our shit? Like, why? There's so many houses of worship in the state of Florida. The president called. Can I help you? I heard you're trying to get a reservation at the restaurant. Can I hook you up? Like, you, you mean, you're taking an interest in me? You called me? You emailed me? Like, what? You have an interest in me? That's crazy. You're so famous, and you're so popular, and so big, and you're so powerful, and you're so rich, and you have an interest in me? What? How special does that make us feel? Forget the thing that we're going to get. Security fence, the reservation, the restaurant, or whatever. But just, even without that thing, just the interest you took in me? That's crazy. That's crazy. So, Sakharish uh, Baruch has that interest in us. He has an interest. What can I help you with? What do you need? And I've helped you already. A person who thinks about this, you'll go out of your mind. It blows your mind when you start thinking about this. We never thought we'd have a friend like this. Your richest friend, your richest uncle, who thought that they would give you so many gifts that every day you'd wake up with new gifts? Every day we wake up with gifts. You can see, you can hear, your feet work, there's a roof overhead, there's a car, there's an income. There's... Every day you wake up with gifts. Who is this friend who's leaving inestimable, endless gifts at our doorstep, who replenishes our debit card and our Amazon account endlessly, who gives us so much beyond that we would ever imagine or dream of? It's Hashem. Hashem What is this Hashem? If I have to give a lecture and explain... I can't. I can't explain to who he is. I can't. My little ones, our little ones right now are at an age, they've started asking, like, okay, I got it. You come from your parents, came from their parents, came from Hashem. Where did Hashem come from? You say, uh, I don't know, we got to go. We'll talk about this another time. <laughs> How do you answer that? You're 100 years old, you can't answer that. Aristotle couldn't answer that. How do you answer that? How do you answer that? It's Ein Lanu Tfisa Bo I don't know, 
But Hashem is your Abba, and He loves you. And He, do you feel His love? Did you say thank you to Him for that bowl of fruity pebbles? Did you say thank you to Him that we're going to go on this vacation? How amazing it is! Everything worked out, and how lucky and how fortunate we are. I don't know. I can't explain to you where He came from. I just know He's always existed. I. What does that mean? We we only relate to things with a beginning and a middle and an end. There's nothing in our lives that's either endless or lacks a beginning. We just can't comprehend it. What does it mean? I don't know. But Tatala, it's okay, I don't know. It's okay that you don't know. All we need to know is that he's here and that he loves us. He's here and that he loves us. That, that we can see. That we can feel. That we can comprehend. Many make this mistake. They think it's philosophical, it's highfalutin, it's complicated. Don't make it complicated. Simplify it. It's simple. Simplify it. Don't get too confused. Right? This is what we talked about two weeks ago. That the Piyazetz and the Rebbe talked about that, right? If you're seeking evidence for Hashem, you're on a low level. Just feel it. Just know it. It's insulting to your parent. It's insulting to your parent when you say, where's the DNA test? Show me the birth certificate. It's insulting to your parent. What do you mean? You don't feel my love? At this point, you, did, you, you have any questions or doubts? Carried you for nine months, gave birth to you, this one. Then woke up in the middle of the night, changed diaper, this one, fed you. Did everything for you, drove you carpool, made your life. And now you're asking for your birth certificate? Now you're asking for the DNA test? Like, What is the matter with you? You don't know that I'm your parent because you felt my love? Does it even really matter what the DNA test shows if I've loved you like a parent and you feel my love? Harav Uri Zohar Misaper. Uri Zohar was an uh, Israeli, very famous actor who became a Batshuva. Yeah? Who became a Batshuva. So he quotes Uri Zohar. When he became a Batshuva and his friends distanced themselves, they said, tell us one last joke. You're a comedian, you're an actor, you became this religious person, I hope you didn't give up your personality. Tell us one last joke. So here's the joke he told them. There were two religious bachram who were riding on a... Uh, no? A, a, a motorcycle. So what happened? The policeman saw them and he said, I'm going to catch them. So they drove away and he chased them. But he couldn't catch them on any, uh, on any violation. So he stopped them and he asked them, How is it possible? Stop sign, the traffic, the speed, you didn't violate anything. How is it possible? So they answered, It's very simple. We didn't violate anything because God is with us. So the policeman said, Good, I caught you. How do you catch them? You can't have three people on a motorcycle. <laughs> so that was Uri Zohar's last joke to these friends. Are you religious now? Tell us one more. Tell us one more joke. It was a two-person motorcycle. They said, how is it you didn't do anything wrong? They said, it's simple. Hashem is with us. They said, good, you're getting a ticket. You can't have three people on a motorcycle. Okay? It's, I guess, uh, whatever. The humor at the time. This is the way a Jew needs to live. Lashon Chazal, Ish ve'isha, Zachu Shechina Beinayim. Gemara Sota says, Ish ve'isha, Zachu. When a husband and a wife live, when a man and a woman live, and they live a virtuous, meritous life, they build a home steeped in Kedusha, in Chesed, in love. So then if they merit, Shechina Beinayim. There's a third person on their motorcycle through life, and that's Hashem. That's it. The Gemara there concludes, if you don't, Ish Ochla, they're like a fire that consumes. Of course, Ish V'isha. 
Ish ve'isha. What's the extra letter in Ish ve'isha? Both of them have Aleph and Shin. The extra letter in the Ish is a Yud, and the extra letter in the Isha is a He, and the Yud and the He spell God's name. So Ish ve'isha, if they combine, if they integrate, if they have a synthesis of their values in the pursuit of Kedusha, then they bring the Yud and the He together, and they bring Hashem's presence. What happens if they don't? If they have conflict, if they have very profane, mundane life, what happens if it's a life that lacks Kedusha? So then the Yud and the He are missing, and what's left? Aleph and Shem, Eish, Eish, Ophala. It is a fire that consumes them, which we know that kind of a home is consumed by fire. Shem is Baruch Machmas Otsama Alasa Yeshla Sayacholos Yaches Lenin Bacholof Anim. Kashborhu is limitless, can relate to us in any way. And what is his choice? He chooses to relate to us as a friend. To lower himself. We describe Hashem in Halal. David Amalek said in Tehillim that Hashem lowers himself to see us. So he presents himself to us, our best friend. But our job is to see him as the great Hashem is Baruch. Right? So, like, I have certain Rebbeim. Garlador, Rabbi Willig, I remember, once left me a message. He said, hi, it's Mordechai, please call me. Mordechai Willig, whatever. I was like shaking. First I was like, wow, Rabbi Willig called me. That's so cool. It's so amazing. But you think I called him back and said, hi. He said, Rebbe, Rabbi Willig. I spoke to him in third person. He presented himself as a close friend. And our job, my responsibility, was to treat him with the reverence due a Rebbe, a great Talmud Chacham. Shemiz Baruch presents himself to us as our best friend. We talk to him, we confide in him, we relate to him, we thank him. But we never lose that reverence to realize that even though he's presented himself as our best friend, he's still the Melech Ma'achei HaMelachim. So I thought this piece really builds on the two pieces that we saw in the Piyazetzna. Number one, not to overcomplicate things that really could be simple, to be satisfied with and to live and to teach our children and grandchildren an Amunah Pshuta, just a simple faith, Hashem is there. Thank you and Mirz Hashem and let's ask Hashem, let's pray on this from Hashem and so on. Number one. And number two, the notion of talking to Hashem that it's not highfalutin sophisticated, it's a conversation. It's an easy conversation with Hashem. We acknowledge who He is and how He categorically different than us, we praise Him. We have 13 categories of things that we all need universally that we then ask of Him. We don't, don't forget to say, Yashikach, Hakar Satov, we don't forget to say thank you at the end, but ultimately, that we can feel His presence as a loving friend, that we are never, ever alone. Have a great day.